It's the most accurate podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Stalter, joined as always by my partner in crime, John Paulson. JP, how are we doing this week? Uh, not bad. Uh, probably better than most of the Falcons fans out there. I hate to take a shot at you. Oh, but, my uh, God. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the game later, but yeah. um, at least we made it through. We, we survived it, and uh, here we are on a Friday morning talking football, so let's go. John John's really smart because he asked me about the Falcons before we got on the pod and I went on a 10 minute rant so I got all my like rant out of the way now I'm now I'm out of now I'm completely out of Falcons steam we actually get to things that people care about um, <laughs> but maybe I'll do a little ranting a little bit later on uh, before before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast tell us about the music oh yeah it's a new track by uh, uh, Half Alive and uh, they're like a good indie pop band I saw them live uh, with my family at a festival in Long Beach, I think it was. They put on a really good show. Uh, the name of the track is What's Wrong. Uh, pretty catchy. Uh, I put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. Hey, if you have been on the fence at all about getting a subscription to 444.com, you've been patiently saying, well, you know what, maybe the prices will drop. Guess what? They have. We've cut our prices for rest of season subscriptions to $19 for a classic subscription. $29 for a pro subscription and then a 49 it's $49 for DFS 29 for pro $49 for DFS and then an $89 uh, price cut down to uh, for, for a betting subscription so 89 bucks for a betting subscription you get you know John's rankings you get um, betting content you get DFS content depending on which which subscription you want to go with either way now's the time to do it now's the time to subscribe you, you can get a the, the you know a great price for the rest of the season and you get an opportunity to see what uh, John does and myself and, and all the great and talented writers and experts do at 44.com and then you can you know hopefully win your season and then hop on a subscription next year and if you want to get a free 444 subscription you can all you do just deposit ten dollars at underdog or twenty dollars at 30 20 to 35 dollars at prize picks to top it off if you're a new ffpc user you also get a 35 dollars coupon to play in one of their leagues we've been telling you about this offer for a while now if you want to check out the details 444.com plans but again jump on the subscription whether you're doing it for a free free 444 subscription through underdog or you're looking for a price cut on a 444.com subscription great now's the time to do it let's get into some of the injury news john that's going to impact people for this upcoming Sunday. Kyler Murray limited on Wednesday and Thursday. That's an upgrade from last week, though, where he was only able to get in one limited practice and then and then didn't play despite that limited practice on Friday. The Cardinals are coming off a bad loss and have a bye in Week 12. What do you think about Kyler Murray now playing this week and then having a bye next week, or do you see the Cardinals potentially resting him now for another two weeks? Yeah, just watching, looking at the uh, NFC West, and it's funny because you know you go back to two weeks ago in week nine um the the cardinals go into san francisco and win 
with Colt McCoy as their quarterback and then turn around and get spanked by the Panthers at home with Colt McCoy as, as their quarterback. I think that win at San Francisco, you know, stopped them from pushing Murray back sooner rather than later. Like, they're like okay, we beat, they beat the 49ers. We can give them another week against Carolina to get fully healthy. And then they go get smacked against Carolina. And then the 49ers turn around and beat up on the Rams at home, uh, which just the scores don't make sense, right? You think a player, you know, team A is better than team B. Is, you know, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but looking forward to this week, I think it's trending towards him trying to play or playing. Uh, I saw a report saying that he could feel like he can escape the pocket. Uh, then he's going to play. But, you know, as I said, they're coming off the bad loss against uh, the Carolina Panthers. They're one game ahead of the Rams right now. Maybe that 49ers win over the Rams, bought maybe bought Murray another week of rest. I don't know. Because they have a, they have that game advantage on the Rams. And they have the key here is they have the bye next week. So if they don't play him, he gets two more full weeks of rest, probably comes out of the bye at full health. And at worst, they are tied for the NFC West uh, lead. So I don't, like, I'm looking at this. I don't know for sure if he's going to play or not. It probably really comes down to is, is he 95%, is he 100%, or is he more like 80%, 85%? Because I think if he's closer to 80%, 85%, they're probably going to sit him another week. And if they take the loss on the chin, they're still at worst tied for first in the NFC West. I don't know. They're still in the hunt for... Uh, the number one seed in the playoffs. So that's got to be uh, playing into their thinking as well. They're tied with the Packers, but the Packers hold the tiebreaker because the Packers beat the Cardinals. Uh, So that's where they sort of stand. Are they still looking at that or are they looking more at the long term with, uh, you know, getting Murray back fully healthy uh, for the stretch run? So I think we'll find out more on Saturday. Uh, Getting into Sunday, we'll have a pretty good idea whether or not he's going to play. Yeah, it's a convoluted situation and, and something worth monitoring, as you as you mentioned over the weekend. Aaron Rodgers, DNP on Wednesday and Thursday. He's got a toe injury. Are you worried about his status for Week 11? No, I saw a picture of him just, like, standing, you know, watching practice. I think if the toe was a serious problem, he'd be, you know, getting treatment and, you know, it wouldn't be standing on it. I think he's going to play. I think this is just rest for him because, you know, he's had a tough, a tough couple of weeks. He certainly has, John. We'll leave it at that. Alvin Kamara downgraded to DMP on Thursday after being limited on Wednesday. This is not good. Any sort of late week downgrade for a player, especially if Alvin Kamara's Kamara's status is not not good. Yeah, I think there is the occasional time when it's a Wednesday limited, they take Thursday off, uh, and it's planned. And then they come back on Friday for limited. So if he comes back today, I would feel quite a bit better about his status. But if he's, uh, you know, a DNP again today, then I'm pretty sure he's not going to play. And right now I'm leaning that way because of the midweek downgrade, as you mentioned. Uh, Mark Ingram is going to be another, you know, low end RB one, high end RB two type play if uh, if Kamara is is si- uh, sidelined. And it just seems like that's the direction that we're headed right now. Browns did activate Nick Chubb off the COVID-19 list, so he's going to play in Week 11. Uh, John, where do you have him in your in your Week 11 rankings? Oh, he's top five. I mean, Kareem Hunt's still not back. We've already seen Chubb lead the backfield with Dernis Johnson in really a backup role. Uh, Chubb dominated the touches in the backfield, and he's playing the Lions, so it's just a fantastic matchup. So I'm you know I'm starting him everywhere I can. 
Saquon Barkley was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. He's coming off the team's Week 10 bye. What's your advice for fantasy managers that do own Saquon Barkley? Well, we're headed towards uh, you know him playing. It, it's trending that way. Um, the Giants play Monday night. That's probably the problem. So I don't know if we're going to know by Sunday morning for sure whether or not Barkley's going to play if he's questionable and or is determined to be a, a game time decision on Monday or a Sunday morning, then owners may want to have a pivot in place. There really isn't a whole lot you can do. You know, you're looking at either you have Booker as your handcuff, which is great, but uh, or you maybe go to one of the Tampa Bay uh, backs and hope that uh, Gio Bernard or Ronald Jones you know scores a touchdown or something, or perhaps there's a in game injury to Fournette. But um, that's that's all you can really do if you want to you want to play Barkley this week. It's a bad matchup against the Bucks. They're really good against the run, uh, but he could make some hay in the, as a receiver if he's if he's back and healthy. So hopefully we find out more by Sunday morning. Yeah, I have I have Saquon Barkley in, in our league, John, and I just I'm not I'm not going to play him. And it's for the reasons that you said. I mean, Tampa Bay, you can't you just can't run the ball against them. So why why take the risk? Alex Collins downgraded to DNP on Thursday. He's dealing with a groin injury. Seattle plays late on Sunday, so it's a bit of a tricky situation. The reports about Chris Carson's status have been negative, so it doesn't look like he'll be back. If both are out, who carries the rock for the Seahawks this weekend? Well, last we saw, they were really trying to get. Rashad Penny going, and that was a you know a few weeks ago, and then against the Packers, uh, it was all Collins and Travis Homer. Homer was playing on third downs. I don't think he's their choice to be their you know early down grinder. He's more of a passing down back. So I mean, my assumption would be if Collins and Carson are out, I, my assumption would be it'd be Penny as in the lead role there with DJ Dallas perhaps rotating in, and maybe they do a hot hand situation because they did. They did try to get Penny going, and then they completely went away from him against the Packers, which makes you wonder if they've soured on him or if he's not, you know, he didn't his injuries didn't respond well to the to the game or, or what's going on. But he's been healthy; he hasn't been on the practice report. So, my assumption that he'd be the next guy up for the for the Seahawks. James Robinson now has a knee injury in addition to the heel injury he was dealing with last week. He returned to limited practice on Thursday. What's your thoughts on James Robinson this week? Well, he's kind of like he's a tough guy, and he played through that heel injury, got the touchdown for his fantasy uh, managers, and um, and I like to see that he is at limited practice on Thursday. That indicates to me that the knee knee injury is not serious. Uh, we'll see if he if he gets another limited practice today. I'll I'll feel pretty good about his status for for Sunday. Elijah Mitchell dealing with both finger and ribs injuries had fing- had the finger surgery, but earlier this week his head coach Kyle Shanahan was optimistic that he'd play on Sunday. But the 49ers play uh, late. Uh, no, they play early on Sunday, so it's kind of a good situation, I guess, for Elijah Mitchell, uh, fantasy managers, John. Yes, they're they're playing the Jaguars, so it'll be we'll be watching that for the running back <laughs> status for those guys. But uh, Mitchell, right now, I'm uh, you know have him in the rankings. I think he will play based on the op- optimism coming from Kyle Shanahan. It is strange to have surgery in the same week and be able to play. I think there is definitely some concern about his ability to catch the ball, although that's not a big part of his game right now. Um, he, he did have a, a few catches a few weeks back, but is not running a ton of routes and they got Jeff Wilson back uh, doing that uh, a bit as well. And then they, of course they got use check as the fullback running some routes. Um, but he, you know, he's a threat for 90, hundred yards and a touchdown, you know, any given week with the way that the 49ers can run the ball and how they stick with it, you know, against the Jaguars, if we're looking at a two and seven team and they've been playing a little, you know, a little bit better lately, 
Um, but if if the 49ers do like get out to a lead in this one, you might not see a lot of Mitchell in the fourth quarter as they try to let him rest that, that finger. You might see more Wilson. If Mitchell sits, I think Wilson's a really good play. I think he'll be the lead back. You got Trey Sermon there. <laughs> you got Jermichael Hasty there. Uh, but you'll you know Wilson was operating as the RB two last week against the Rams, and he'll be you know bumped up to RB one if he's the if Mitchell's out. Latavius Murray was limited both Wednesday and Thursday, and the Ravens cut Le'Veon Bell earlier this week. How does this Baltimore backfield look if Murray does return? Yeah, I guess they wanted to maybe sign Bell back to the practice squad, but he kind of tweeted goodbye and God bless and all that. He's out uh, after after he got cut. Uh, this certainly looks like Murray's going to be back if they're going to cut Bell. So I think the plan is for Murray to play. You know, limited both Wednesday and Thursday. When he left and when he got injured, he was the lead back in this backfield with Devonta Freeman and Bell and uh, Tyson Williams uh, playing behind him. Um, I think coming back, you know, Devonta Freeman didn't look bad, so I, I'm interested to see how this shakes out. This could be just like a one-two committee where they rotate, uh, you know, each series and sort of play the hot hand in the fourth quarter. A lot of teams are doing that now. Uh, I don't think Murray necessarily comes back to a lead role after being out this long and with Freeman play, playing pretty decent. Sticking, sticking with the Ravens, Marquise Brown has the thigh injury. DNP on Wednesday and Thursday doesn't look doesn't look good for him playing against the Bears on Sunday, John. Yeah, we'll see what he does today. We've been getting these injury reports from the from Baltimore late. I don't know if they're practicing late uh, in the day, but uh, we're not always getting it. Uh, you know, when the injury report comes out at about two or three. Pacific. Uh, so, but I think, you know, if Brown does practice today, then he's probably going to be okay uh, for Sunday. If he's out again and he's questionable, then you really have to wonder if he's going to play and then if he's going to be 100% or, you know, effective. Uh, fortunately, uh, he he and the Ravens play in the early game against the Bears uh, Sunday, so we should know uh, Sunday morning whether or not he's going to be Good to go. Chase Claypool, Steelers wide receiver, dealing with the toe injury. Limited on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. What are your thoughts on him facing the Chargers? This could be a difficult situation for managers that have, you know, Claypool rostered. The game's on Sunday night, so uh, if he's a questionable and, we're you know, we're headed into Sunday not knowing, I don't know that he is a strong enough play against a stingy Chargers secondary in order to wait on him unless you wanted to perhaps pivot to uh, like James Washington or Ray Ray McLeod, perhaps, um, you know, maybe there's a Chargers receiver. You could, uh, this is nobody that's springing to mind that would not be, that would be available in the waiver wire for the Chargers. Uh, maybe Tyler Johnson for the Buccaneers on Monday night, you could uh, pivot to uh, maybe there's a Giants. I mean, maybe Darius Slayton's out there. I don't know, but th- that's, those are your options if you want to wait on Claypool, but I don't know. I think most fantasy owners would probably have, or most fantasy managers would have more options than, than you know, better options than maybe Claypool. I mean, I have him ranked as a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, uh, depending on his status heading into this weekend. DeAndre Hopkins dealing with the hamstring injury. DNP on Wednesday and Thursday, of course, he did not play last week. And I guess it's a similar conversation with Kyler Murray. Do you think that DeAndre Hopkins may not play on Sunday with the Cardinals having the bye week next week? Yeah, my assumption is if, you know, he doesn't practice today uh, and then heading into he's, you know, let's say he's questionable heading into the weekend. My assumption is he's going to sit another week, uh, get the bye week uh, to heal and maybe come back coming out of the uh, 
coming out of the bye. I mean, they've just been playing this game with him where they try to play him through these hamstring injuries and he keeps retweaking it and it's affecting their long-term prospects. So uh, if he does practice today and is questionable, I'll be more inclined to think that maybe he's back um, this, this week, but uh, you know, the Cardinals play late on Sunday. So that's, you know, creates some problems for, uh, for managers that to have him rostered and want to wait on him. Dallas Goddard tight end concussion back for limited practice on Thursday. Do you think Goddard uh, suits up against the saints? Yeah. The good thing about, um, I mean, there's not good things about concussion, but the, like the silver lining with concussions in terms of injuries and trying to read the tea leaves as whether or not somebody's going to play is that we, we know whether or not they're going to be cleared um, usually by Sunday morning. So, uh, you know, in the case of uh, Stevenson last week, uh, we, we knew that he was going to be able to play and be able to be a full, a full go. Like, you know, some of the times with a knee injury or an ankle injury or something, a player is not a full go, even though he's active. Um, but in the case of a concussion, if Goddard is cleared by Sunday, then he's a full go and he's a you know low end tight end one now uh, with Zach Ertz gone. Hey, before we dive into some sneaky starts and also get into the Thursday night football massacre, I want to tell you about Underdog, and it's a way for you to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy in their brand new pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players, and you could take home some cold, hard cash. Head to 444.com. That's the number four, F-O-R, number four, com slash underdog and you can claim your free four for four pro subscription and get ten dollars in bonus cash to play this weekend all right instead of rehashing all the stats from thursday night football and uh what likely will go down john is one of the worst performances at least one-sided uh, of all time let's discuss the backfields for the patriots and the falcons because there's really nothing to learn from atlanta they didn't score a, a freaking point they clearly have no idea how to use Kyle Kyle Pitts. Hey, it was a good idea to get Kyle Pitts number four number four overall, John. I mean, the, the unicorn they called him yeah. the unicorn. They line up everywhere. Yeah, if you don't have an offensive line of quarterback, it doesn't it doesn't matter who your tight end is. But I digress. Uh, what did we learn? <laughs> what did we learn with? And it's nothing. It's Kyle Pitts. Like he's a good player. He's he could be a great player. But I mean, what do we what do what are we doing here? You got five quarterbacks there available. Now we'll go with the tight end. Okay. Uh, what, what did we learn with Damian Harris back? And then Cordell Patterson did not play last night. Uh, instead of Mike Davis taking over, it wound up being Allison. And he was a mid round pick a couple of years ago. Didn't even make the team this year. Activated off the practice squad. He looked good, but what, what do you make of the two backfield situations for New England and Atlanta? Yeah, I'll start with New England. Uh, I had... Harris, I think, ranked 23rd half PPR. I had Stevenson ranked, I think, 25th half, half PPR heading into last night's game. I f- felt like Stevenson played well enough to uh, have a bigger role than, you know, last week he played well enough to have a bigger role than he did uh, the last time Harris played, where he was pretty much more of a backup, but he, you know, starting to play some more snaps. He's getting a few weeks removed from his fumble uh, and getting benched for that. Um, and the way they operated was that they basically just alternated drives. Uh, if the drives went extra long, you might see both players on a drive. But they started Damian Harris, uh, and then on the next drive, Stevenson came in, and the next drive, Harris came in, and Bolden was getting in for the occasional uh, play as well. And I think the key is you look through when you give a blow, kind of a blowout like this, um, 
you know, you look at the final box score and Stevenson outtouched Harris 13 to 11. So some people might say, well, he's, uh, you know, Stevenson is now the RB1 in uh, New England, but I don't think that's the case through the three quarters, first three quarters, Harris outtouched Stevenson nine to seven. So I think we'll continue and, you know, both players ran well. They're both over five yards, 5.5 yards per carry. So I think you're probably looking at a similar situation next week where Harris gets the start, then Stevenson comes in on the next series, you know, et cetera. And the player that gets the start is more likely to have the most touches because he has an extra drive or an extra series uh, at the start of the game. And we're talking about two players that are similarly productive right now. Um, Stevenson, I think, has more juice in the passing game, but they, you know, I think Harris ran more routes last night anyway, so uh, they don't target him a lot. Um, and Stevenson was you know, part of the passing game plan in, in previous weeks. So I think he's got a bit more upside in PPR format. So I think they're, I'm going to have them ranked pretty close. Uh, and I'm interested to see when they start getting, I didn't, did not check their red zone or inside the 10 uh, touches last night. I'm interested to see uh, who was getting those carries right now. I think Harris is probably the goal line back, but we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll have to see moving forward. All right, moving into some sneaky. Oh, oh no, Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, let me talk about Atlanta. How um, could I forget about the Falcons? Yeah, we tried to. I, I think I tried to <laughs> mentally block it out. Uh, so yeah, so Patterson was uh, inactive. My plan with the rankings was, you know, Davis in the lead role with Wayne Gallman in a in a backup role. Last week we saw Gallman see the lion's share of touches, but Arthur uh, Smiths came out. Uh, after the game and said the, the reason that we saw that was they had a quick turnaround to Thursday night and they wanted to keep uh, their starters or in this case, you know, they lose Patterson to ankle injury. They wanted to conserve Mike Davis was the implication um, that they wanted to keep him healthy uh, going into Thursday night with the quick turnaround. And then we get into Thursday night and Mike Davis did get the start. He did get the first two running back touches. He didn't do anything with them. Uh, then, you know, Allison came in, uh, got a few carries. He had it in the early in the second quarter. He had a 10 yard carry and a 12 yard carry back to back. And I think that pretty much cemented uh, what his role would be in this particular game. So, you know, quote unquote, hot hand with Kadri <laughs> Allison and his 34 yards rushing and 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, Mike Davis did have the three catches for 20 yards. So he ended up with, you know, five points in PPR formats, which is closer to zero than it is to 11, but uh, <laughs> it's something. Um, and I think, you know, looking long-term, somebody was giving me grief about my Mike Davis projection on Twitter last night and was kind of condescending about it. And I'm like, well, you know, no one's forcing you to draft him, number one. Number two, I didn't was he wasn't part of my 29 players that I'm trying to draft everywhere list. I went back to look at that because I was not, like super high on him, like thinking that he was this great talent that was going to um, emerge. Like I th- you remember Michael Turner coming to the Falcons oh, yeah. yep. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's other, I, mean, I think he came in and had the number two. He was great. Uh, fantasy season, number one fantasy season. I remember writing, getting, you know, drafting him in the fourth round, writing him to a championship. Uh, Lamont Jordan went to the Raiders from the Jets, I believe, had a really good fantasy season. Chester Taylor was a journeyman, went and had a really good fantasy season with the Vikings. So there's some examples of these journeymen. Uh, and I don't think that Michael Turner necessarily qualifies. He was a little bit younger. Uh, maybe Jordan was as well. But, you know, I think, you know, looking back at this draft season, 
And just the way that the Falcons seem to put their chips in Mike Davis's corner, um, you know, we ha- we as fantasy analysts have to take a you know a bit of pause and say, well, this is a player that hasn't done a whole lot throughout his career and now is being asked to be the RB1 for NFL franchise, and maybe we should take that with a grain of salt. We did not see, a lot of us didn't see Cordero Patterson coming, uh, you know, having a breakout season uh, 10 years into the league. Um, but now you're getting to where Davis is being, you know, playing behind Allison, um, you know, last week playing behind Gallman due to the blowout. Um, I think heading into next season, you just look at these situations and maybe I'm not salivating as much when a player, I mean, I think with Turner, it was a good backup and with the chargers, uh, finally getting his chance to be the starter elsewhere. And that, that made more sense than maybe Davis. The the thing with Davis that got me going a little bit on him, I didn't have him ranked terribly high. I mean, I had him, you know, I had him as quite a few pass catches, you know, a low, yards per carry. I don't remember exactly where I had him, um, but it was like mid to low end RB2. Um, I think the thing that got me going on him a little bit was some, there were some advanced stats with the uh, broken tackles per carry, broken tackles per touch or per uh, per catch that indicated that he was kind of sneaky good for the, for the Panthers two years ago or last year. So um, that made me think, well, maybe they're going to feed him and, you know, there's really no one else on the roster that that looks like they're going to take carries from him. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's where we were at with Mike Davis. And like the guy that was mad at me was mad that because you know he took him in the sixth round and it killed him. I'm like, if you're if you're getting killed <laughs> by a sixth round pick, then the yeah. rest of your draft's not good. And are you mad at me about the rest of these players or did something else happen? Like I don't know what's I don't know what's going on. Anyway, Davis was not in my 29 players to draft everywhere. He was not a primary target of mine, but he was a pretty good value as it seemed heading into the sixth round. And if you looked at what he did in the first four weeks, um, I think the guy on Twitter said, Oh, you projected him for 187 half PPR. I mean, he's, he was on pace for 160 something PPR half PPR through the first four weeks. So everything was sort of going to, according to plan, but then Patterson, Cordero Patterson kind of happened and, and Davis never got going as a runner to where he was even generating four yards of carry. So that's where sort of where we are with Davis. And I learned a lesson with it. I'm going to be a little bit more uh, hesitant with these, uh, you know, veteran journeyman backs when they look like they're going to be the starter. Well, I think the key that you said, you know, at the end there is that he was going to be the starter. Mike Davis was, was there, there was nobody else. I mean, they had Todd Gurley a year ago. They, they didn't resign him, rightfully so. They didn't draft the running back. Like Mike Davis was going to be the guy. And it, it just turned out that, Arthur Smith fell in love with Cordero Patterson in training camp and preseason, and you know this this is where we're at. But I mean, like you said, six round pick. If that's if that's sink if that's submarining your entire season, then take a look at the previous five picks, dude. But moving on, let's let's talk <laughs> let's talk about some sneak some sneaky starts now. Quarterbacks. You like three? Well, you like more than that. We always say go go to four four dot com. Check out John's complete article. We only talk about a few players at each position here on the pod, but. You do list three quarterbacks that you want to talk about today, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I usually do. Yeah, I, yeah, I usually do two. And um, but th- this week I I wanted to talk about three. Ryan Tannehill, which I'm sure everybody is getting sick of me talking about Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I have one like there's one guy one guy tweeted because I said that Ryan Tannehill is now the QB twelve in the season. I think he's got the I don't know, what was the tweet anyway? He's QB twelve in the season. He's got like the second most fantasy points since week seven at the position. 
and somebody's like, I, I love how committed you are to the bit or something. <laughs> like I, I get it. Like I was, Tannehill was part of my 29 players. I want to draft everywhere. I still have them on a couple teams. Um, I've been starting him. Um, cause I believe, I do believe that he's a good player. The volume is not high, but this is a, this is a really good spot for him this week. Uh, the neutral pass rate's up for the Titans after uh, Derrick Henry injury, so that's one thing. He's not attempting a ton of passes, but against the the Texans, 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, he has the number eight uh, points per game in the last four weeks. Uh, the Texans have yielded uh, 264 yards and 1.78 touchdowns to the position per game. They've given up uh, a league high they're tied for a league high four rushing touchdowns allowed to quarterbacks. And that's a big part of Tannehill's game. And since the 2019 season, he has averaged 2.73 total touchdowns in 18 home games. So this is a, a great spot to start Tannehill. If you have him, I have him ranked as a low end QB one this week. Very interested to see Cam Newton. I think he's probably going to start this week based on what's all happening with the, with the practice reps and the reports of practice. Uh, looks like he's going to start. Washington is 32nd last in the league in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, he came in for a few plays against the Cardinals and threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. He seems very juiced about being back in Carolina. I do not think he's washed. I don't think he's MVP level Cam Newton, but I think you know with his running ability and his uh, ability to score touchdowns around the uh, goal line, uh, and you know with a decent receiving core there, I think he fantasy wise is a high-end QB two streamer this week. Um, especially given the matchup against Washington, although Washington did do a good job in Tom Brady last week. Uh, and th- there is some familiarity familiarity there with Ron Rivera and cam and all that. So that that's a little bit of a, uh, a concern there. And the last player I wanted to talk about was to a tug of Uh, he in four starts, he's averaged 257 yards passing and 1.75 touchdowns with 15, uh, yards rushing and a half of rushing touchdown. So when he's given the starting job, um, he's posted 19.8 fantasy points. Those are low end QB one numbers. Uh, the Jets, of course, have struggled against uh, pretty much in all facets of the game, uh, but specifically against quarterbacks, 291 yards allowed, uh, 1.56 uh, touchdowns allowed to the position this season. So it's a good matchup too. I think he'll uh, start and probably finish that game. Uh, let's move on to some running backs. You got Deontay Foreman and Miles Gaskin as your two running backs that, that you that you like. And Foreman, Foreman, people forget how highly rated he was coming out of high school. Goes to Texas, and he's a good back when he's healthy. But he just he's been bouncing around the league a, a, a while now. But maybe he gets his opportunity to shine now. That he's in Tennessee. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that he was just on you know on the street and people. I, I was thinking you know he's, he wasn't homeless. When people say you sign somebody off the street, it sounds like you're signing you know somebody that was just living out of his car or something. But Foreman was available for uh, most of this season. I do think it's a little strange that they didn't have him you know in the fold if they're if they're now going to hand the keys to him, which it did seem last week that they were going to. Um, uh, feature him a bit more and, and that's basically what happened last week he had 13 touches for 78 total yards uh, and that was against the number one uh rb afpa adjusted fantasy points allowed uh defense uh to running backs in the league last year or last week and this week he should find the going even easier as he faces his old team he's got a little bit of a revenge factor I mean, they might allow him to score a touchdown 
Uh, Houston's averaged, uh, allowed an average 144 total yards, 1.22 touchdowns. And the other thing with, with Foreman is that Jeremy McNichols is dealing with a concussion, not in practice. So if he sits, there's a lot of passing down work that probably will go more to him and less to uh, Adrian Peterson. The other player, Gaskin, is just a volume compiler type play. Um, he's been seeing 15 touches pretty, at least 15 touches pretty frequently in four straight games. Uh, and, the, and the Jets are 32nd last in the league and adjusted fantasy points allowed to, uh, to, to running backs. And this is what I was deeming the resistible force meeting the movable object. So what will happen this week when, when Gaskin faces the Jets, we'll, we'll find out. All right, moving on to some wide receivers now. Darnell Mooney and Kenny Galladay are two receivers that that, that you like from a sneaky start standpoint. Yeah, Mooney uh, with Fields has been better than Allen Robinson. Uh, he's been a t- seeing a team. He's seen a team high twenty five point seven percent of Fields' pass attempts uh, in his last four games. He's averaged seven targets per game. And perimeter receivers have done better against the Ravens and slot receivers. So Mooney uh, typically runs nearly 70% of his routes outside. Uh, so I think he's a decent, you know, wide receiver three, wide receiver three, wide receiver four type streamer. Um, and then looking at Kenny Galladay, you know, coming off of the knee injury, but coming off his bye. So you you know, coming out of the bye, two weeks of rest. Seems to be practicing. Got a game against the Bucks. They're 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers, although they seem to be doing a little bit better lately. Uh, in his first four games, uh, Galladay averaged 71 yards receiving, so he was involved and he was productive um, early in the season. It looks like Sterling Shepard's going to remain out. So, you know, you've got Galladay, uh, Kadarius Toney, and Darius Slayton probably as the three receivers in a game where the Giants are probably going to go have to go pass heavy to keep, try to keep up with the with the Bucks, they're going to probably have a tough time running the ball on the Bucks. And then from a tight end standpoint, you list Cole Komet and Adam Troutman. Yeah, it looks like I'm heavy on the Bears this week. That makes me a little worried. <laughs> uh, Cole Komet, 22 targets in the last three weeks. Uh, he had six for 87 on eight targets against the Steelers last game out. Uh, he has the fourth most air yards at his position since week eight. So Fields does like throwing to him, and they are getting him more involved. And this is a good matchup with the with the Ravens. They're 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They've given up 6.2 catches, 72 yards, and .67 touchdowns on average to the position this season. And then Troutman is more of a deep you know, league play. He's still available, I think, in my Scott Fishbowl league, which is super deep. But he's got, if you're, if you're desperate at tight end, uh, he's got 19 targets in his last three weeks. I think he's more of a you know a favorite target of Trevor Simeon. That's 14.4% uh, target share. And the Eagles are last in the league against tight ends uh, in adjusted fantasy points allowed. 7.5 uh, catches, 73 yards, and 0.8 touchdowns on average allowed to the position. So this might be the, the week that Troutman can get into the end zone. And then before we let you go, John, breakout receiver model. Two players you mentioned last week were C.D. Lamb, who absolutely went off, and then Tyree Kill. They, were, they both popped the model and uh, did so with a combined 14, four, sorry, 13 catches for 177 yards and four touchdowns. So who's popping in the model this week? Yeah, I did mention a few other players last week, but the first two that I had were, or was, I think it was C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and... Uh, Tyree Kill. This model, uh, when this, when these really talented players pop at the top, um, I like to like to see that because it gets me, you know, excited about their pro- prospects for this upcoming week. And 
Uh, this week, there's a few that, you know, I already mentioned Mooney. He was the number two player in the model. Number one player in the model is Tyler Lockett. He saw a bunch of deep shots from Russell Wilson last week against the Packers. Uh, wasn't able to connect. I'm not 100% confident that Russell Wilson's, you know, like fully ready to go. But, it you know, he played the whole whole week. It probably should be, or the whole game, he should be ready to go, more ready to go this week than he even was last week. Um, T. Higgins from a volume versus his efficiency standpoint has yet to really break out. And this is a week where he might be able to do that uh, against the, uh, the Raiders. And then Devonte Adams is, is coming in as the number five receiver. And that's primarily because of the, the KC game and just lower volume in the passing game overall, but he is due for a breakout game. I thought he might have it last week against Seattle, uh, but the, the Vikings are hurting in the secondary and, you know, Rodgers has posted a better QB rating against uh, the Vikings and uh, other teams. So looking at this game, I think Devontae Adams is a, is a prime breakout candidate. I, I like his prospects heading into to week 11. That's John Paulson. You can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Make sure that you're taking advantage of the price cuts for rest of season subscriptions. $19 for classic subscription, $29 for a pro, $49 for a DFS sub, $89 for a betting subscription. All great values right now. So, you've been on the fence for a while. Make sure you join for 444.com. Take advantage of it. Win your league. And then, you know, come back again next year and subscribe because you've been impressed with uh, what everybody does at 444.com. We appreciate you listening. And we'll be back next week on the Most Accurate Podcast. What's wrong?